God, thank you so much for uh, sending Jesus to be the treasure that we have always needed and sometimes forget about. We pray for our kids, that you would help them learn in King's Kids today. We pray for our nursery workers, that they would have the stamina to keep up. Um, we pray for our sister churches around Enoch, that you would watch over their services as well. Help them, help their pastors, help their teachers uh, to deliver your word in a way that challenges more and more people to live for Jesus, to put him first, and to appreciate all that he's done on our behalf. We come to you this morning in the name of Christ, and we say thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. King's kids, if you're in second grade on down, you can tear out of here. We've got a special service for you. I have asked Bruce Roberts to come up first this morning. Bruce, you're on. You said happy, and I was like, oh, she remembered. And you said Mother's Day, and I was like, no, no, no. You're supposed to say happy Easter. Eastern Orthodox Church is celebrating Easter today. And if you're Eastern Orthodox in Enid, you can't find any candy this week. It's all been sold. Walmart said Easter is over. Uh, but, yeah, you caught me. I was like, oh, no, close. But thanks for scaring half the men in the room. reason I have had Bruce come up today, the fourth Sunday of April. In 2022, this is our church's 45th year in existence. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit from the first notes before we get rolling, but uh, I wanted Bruce to give uh, a little history lesson, a little rewind, a little flashback. Uh, you ready? All right, here he comes. Uh, back in nine, uh, ni 1976, there was about 25 people that uh, uh, were, were kind of just wandering around and, and they'd, they'd left their church for some reason or other and, and I had to and I, I just didn't want to go to a church that, that uh, didn't take care of their finances and, and uh, uh, so I, I uh, left. And anyway, uh, I knew that I wanted to go to a good church. And I said, uh, for three Sundays, we drove to Oklahoma City and uh, went to Sunny Mead Baptist Church because I wanted to go to a good good Baptist church. And, and anyway, uh, uh, as time passed, uh, these 25 people would call me and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I said, well, let, let's, or, let's uh, organize, go out to uh, the... Um, <clears throat> Hoover building and we'll meet on a Sunday morning. So about 25 of us met. And we decided that, that uh, well, let's just start a church. And so uh, uh, I said, well, how about me just buying some songbooks? And so I ordered 25 songbooks. And, and uh, anyway, we got started. And we met in, uh, we met in houses. We met at my place. We met, we met at, um, the um, uh, Saturday Adventist Church, you know, it used to be down here on on um, Randolph, and then we met in uh, we met in the uh, Farm Bureau office building for a couple of weeks, and then we met in I can't remember where else, but then we 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 finally wound up in the uh, Oil Workers Union Hall. Now every Sunday morning before we 
we had uh, uh, service. We had to clean out the beer cans and stuff that was left over for Saturday night. But uh, uh, anyway, um, in February, uh, the the church decided that we'd call call a pastor, and so uh, I called at the Baptist Bible College, and and uh, we located a man that was about to graduate, and uh, he was pastoring a little church in in uh, in Missouri called uh, uh, Bodart. Uh, anyway, uh, and he 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 decided that he might. He came out here to talk to us, and he met me one one day at, uh, at, while I was at work. I think it was on a Saturday morning, and we talked, and uh, and and uh, I explained to him what the situation was, and he said I would like to come. His name was Richard McDowell, and he uh, had a sweet wife and three children. And uh, anyway, uh, he came, and uh, then. Uh, we, we met in different places, and while, while uh, he was here, um, uh, we decided that we would uh, organize as a, as a Baptist church. And so what, what, what day was it? Let me consult the record. <laughs> anyway, uh, April 28th. Anyway, we, we, uh, we brought some people in, uh, a man by the name of Bill Dow out of out of Springfield, Missouri. We had another man from from uh, from the East Coast. He was uh, president of the Baptist Bible College on the East uh, East. And then we had a man here from Cal California, and I don't remember who he was, but uh, we were standing outside uh, you know, of the of the oil workers' reunion hunt, and that was back in the 80s, you know, when they had all that smog in California. And he said to me, he said. How can you people do, breathe all this air that you cannot see? <laughs> Any, anyway, I thought that was pretty good. But uh, and then we had the service after after you know after that we was talking there and and uh, and I remember uh, there was a man by the name of Dawes. I can't remember what was his first name. You do that, Dawes. Larry Dawes. Yeah. Anyway, he sang that day, and and it just seemed like God was in the house because he he just did a fantastic job. And uh, anyway, we organized, and we had like uh, I can't remember how many people did we have. Uh, I don't know. They didn't write that down. They didn't write that down. Uh, it must have been twenty or so that that signed. Uh, the paper to uh, organize and, and uh, anyway, uh, brother brother McDowell stayed for stayed with us for about seven years, and then the, uh, God was calling him to go to the uh, Indians in South Dakota, and he went up there and he left the church. And then uh, I started I got on the phone again and started trying to find somebody. And we got Bud Everett. Do you all was anybody here when Bud was there with us? I guess not. <sighs> Gee, it's been a long time. Um, any anyway, Bud came and and he was a different kind of a preacher. Brother McDowell was a kind of uh, 
a legalistic preacher, you know, and and uh, I don't think everybody loved him. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, uh, Brother Everett came, and we had we had a good time, you know, and and uh, he preached for us, and and he was more of a grace grace man, and and it was just good. And God was good in those days, and we grew, and we did we did things, and uh, then we had um, our our third our third preacher was uh, brother yeah Wadan brother Doug Wadan, and he was with us for about five or six years, and uh, and anyway uh, he, he he was a blessing to the church. He's the one that organized. This, this building, uh, uh, this program, you know, and got it together, and, uh, and the church was, has done well since. And, but anyway, then we, uh, he decided to leave, and anyway, uh, uh, I talked to him several times after that, and he's doing, he's pastoring a church up in Kansas, and doing well, and, and I, I loved him. I give him a hard time a lot. We were putting up new fans somewhere in the building, and uh, and I walked in and I said, I said, uh, uh, why did you put the the pretty blades up? And he looked at me, you know, and said, uh, how can you possibly? Do Almost made him mad, you know. And I said, hey, can't you take a joke? But anyway, um, uh, <laughs> I was always giving him the business, and and uh, anyway, he he. He was a good man. He he, he did he, he did a great job organize you know building this this building, and uh, and we loved him for that. Anyway, you know y'all uh, pretty much know uh, the rest of it. Uh, we called brother er, um, Mugd huh? Yeah, brother Stroke. Uh, why can't I think of those things? But uh, anyway, anyway, uh, Brother Stroke came, and he stayed, stayed uh, I think, 20, 22 years. And most of you know, uh, uh, and you were here when he was here. And anyway, uh, he's moved on, and, and, uh, and the, Lord is, the Lord is, I hope, has taken care of him over there in Arkansas. Uh, I believe that's about it, unless you've got something else you need to ask. I've, I've always got something. No, I'm good. You did great. Hey, let me say thank you. Um, this is your lifetime achievement reward. This is for you to take Norma out and say thanks for sticking with me because uh, we appreciate you. Give this guy a hand. Thank you. When you've been through as many preachers as him, it's a wonder you're still in church. Let me just say, uh, uh, you asked how many people were here. I, the reason I don't know is because there are 39 signatures on the charter but I also read the notes that you guys kept the charter open for like three weeks, your first three weeks, so people could keep coming and joining. So I'm going to say 25-ish on the first on the first meeting. Um, so I've got this this fancy notebook. You know they don't make notebooks like they used to. You can get it embossed with your name on there, Temple Baptist Church. This thing hasn't broke yet. Like this is not from Staples. I'll tell you what, this thing is legit. I could protect myself with this one. They sang, they prayed, they preached. There was a charge. There was a presentation of the pastor to the congregation. Uh, here's my favorite part of the opening organizational service. 
a buffet was served. <laughs> Baptists from the start. A buffet was served by the ladies of the church, and we all enjoyed a fine fellowship. And you notice that fine fellowship didn't come in, so they were all full, I'm sure. They typed this on a full stomach. That was fine fellowship. A um, lot, of, lot of good names on that, a lot of good memories, and a lot of saints who have gone before us to glory. And uh, just 45 years, we are standing on the shoulders of many, many people who made many, many sacrifices for you to sit in that seat today. Just be grateful and be thankful and not ask, what, what can I get? What can I give? How can I be like that? How can I be like that? Ups and downs and every which way. Finding a way to be faithful. And back when you bought this property and <laughs> built this church, we were in the sticks. This was west side of Enid. There, were, there wasn't much out here. I've seen the maps. Yeah. Amen. Other Baptists helping Baptists. What a thought. Even they, even they were not on their own doing this apart from other believers. Like that's, that's so awesome. That's why we contribute to programs that help other churches. That's why we give to missions. That's why we, we pray. We, you know, Sojourn Church, we were paying their pastor for a while so he could start that church. They're running 400. They had like three different Easter services. They've, they've blown by us in a blink of an eye. Amen. Go church. That's us. He's one of us. They are us. That is exciting. But why are we here? What is it that makes us special? A lot. <laughs> we are pretty unique in our DNA and in our organization and the way we do things, the way we fellowship, the way we, way we do missions. We're, we are unique. Um, and as God would have it. Today's passage of Scripture has something to say to that. I've asked Molly to read the passage today, so open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Follow along, Philippians chapter 2. She'll be reading from verses 19 to 30. And the title is, Many Members, One Body. I did not plan this. I did not plan for this to fall on this day. I don't, I don't think that far ahead. I'm not that clever. I just want to say God is good he is always good so um, go ahead molly okay, philippians 2 19 through 30 i hope in the lord jesus to send timothy to you soon so that i too may be cheered by news of you for i have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interests not those of jesus christ but you know timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. 
I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Amen. Thank you to Molly and Gray. They did King's Kids last week. Fifteen kids. They usually average, you know, seven or eight, like double. Like, just add Easter eggs and kids expand. Something about that. So, happy Easter and thank you for your service. We appreciate it very much. So, grab your bulletin to follow along. We've got some notes there. I've already dropped the first one. Many members, one body. Um, Paul actually says that in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, that the the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Uh, we need each other. That, that's his continual message to all of the churches. These letters, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all of these letters, he's writing to churches, groups of people who have organized together. He's organized most of them himself. He's chosen the deacons. He's helped ordain their elders, their pastors, their teachers. He's hands-on in this project, so he's fully invested. As we've gone through the letter, we have seen Paul first presented the Jesus way. Write that down. The Jesus way. Here's Jesus' way. He emptied himself. Paul expects all of us to look to the needs of one another. And as the epitome of selfless sacrifice, he presents to us Jesus because you can't do any better than that. Look to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He humbled himself, even to death on the cross, and everything in between. From birth to death, Jesus humbled himself. He did not grasp or take advantage of his ability to call himself the Son of God. In fact, his favorite term for himself was the Son of Man. Humanity. One of us. Showing us how it is done without razzle-dazzle. <laughs> he is the Son of God who showed us how to live life meekly, humbly, by emptying ourselves and serving other people. That is noteworthy. And then in the next section, we get the Paul way. Got the Jesus way, emptied himself. And then the Paul, what was Paul's way? Well, he followed suit. He says, I poured myself out. That's the way Jesus did it. That's the way I'm going to do it. That's how I started this church in Philippi. I laid my life down for you people. Do you not remember? They beat me. Do you not remember? They throw, threw him into jail, into prison. God himself had to shake the prison with an earthquake to release him. And even then, Paul did not run. He, you talk about somebody waiting for God to show up next. You're in jail. There's an earthquake. The doors are flung open. Walls are wide open. And he stays in the prison. I'd have been out of there. This is my sign. Boom. He's waiting for God. Even when all the circumstances are great and you think you know what to do, shut your holy mouth, and still ask God, what do I do next? Every single little thing. And Paul heard a voice of the Philippian jailer who was lamenting and was about to kill himself with his sword as a Roman guard of this prison. If his prisoners get escaped, he's toast. And Paul says, don't do it. 
we're still here. And he leads that guy to Jesus. Don't think of yourself. Even in that moment when he could have thought of himself, he's pouring himself out. He doesn't know if this guy's going to clasp irons on him, take him to another prison. He, all he knows is this guy's important enough. His life is important enough for me to not take advantage. Jesus didn't take advantage of his situation. He waited on God. Paul doesn't take advantage of his situation. He waits on God. That's the way. Pouring yourself out for other people. And he is an imperfect example. Paul is not a perfect example of the Christian life. Nobody is except for Jesus. But he's good enough. Good enough that people can see Jesus in Paul. And then we get to today's passage. And I'm just going to call it the rest of us. (laughs) Timothy and Epaphroditus. That's us. My first thought was, oh, next blank. Paul is not alone. There are some times when he might think he is alone, when he's walking the streets of Athens, he's preaching in the Areopagus, he's, he's, he's being careful, but come on. No one who is serving God is ever, ever alone. To the side there, you might want to write down um, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus talks about his sheep. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And the Father's greater than all. Nobody can snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's Jesus' way of saying, I got you. You're not alone. I got a, I got a prayer letter from our, our missionaries in the bulletin this week. Mike and Becky Winters got their... They're very alone in a very secular nation, Japan. Very small churches, very few believers. They are not alone. I emailed them last month. You're not alone. We miss you. We care for you. We pray for you. Pray for them. No one who serves Jesus is ever really alone. This church was not started by one person. It was started by a community of people. And other churches helped. In our faith, we are not alone. If you find yourself alone, smack yourself. You're not alone. People care about you. Even if you feel like nobody remembers, we remember. Other people remember. And Jesus himself remembers. Paul's not alone. And oh, what a thrill that brought to his heart. He mentions Timothy. Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy back to Philippi shortly so that I can learn about you and be encouraged. Verse 20, I have no one else like this guy, a kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. So write down this, Timothy, because Paul says, Timothy, he served with me. Ah, like that. Timothy's special. His story is in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. Paul is traveling around what we would consider to be modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, if you had geography in the 80s like me. Right? He picks up this guy, Timothy. One of his parents is Jewish. One of his parents is Greek. So he's got an understanding of the Hebrew Scriptures. And he responds to the gospel. He's saved. He's baptized. And then he 
commits his life to sticking with Paul. He's a younger man. Paul calls him a son. And I think he meant more than a son in the faith. This was a guy who really stuck it with him. Timothy had only been with Paul for a few months when Paul then went to Philippi. Backstory. So he was there. He was there in Philippi. He's kind of a young recruit, kind of green, learning the ropes. Paul's thrown into jail, and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're with this guy. He's leading everybody, and then he's gone. You're like, I'm the new guy. Don't put me in charge. I don't know what to do. I, I bet he had just one of those panic attacks, like, I miss Mother's Day. Oh, no. Just that, that moment of, <gasps> hearts racing. I just lost Paul. But the longer he's with Paul, I think the calmer and more secure he becomes in the Lord. Because he just sees God working in Paul. And I think Paul just would look at Timothy and say, dude, you can do that. All I did was sing when I was in prison. Like, come on, you can do that. All I did was pray. All I did was tell that guy about Jesus when he got saved. Timothy, you can do that. Like the, the, the relationship they have, a father, a son, a disciple, an apostle, it's beautiful. Timothy, as we see, dedicated his life to leading churches. Paul gets to the point where he's unafraid to send Timothy anywhere. Timothy's going to go back to Philippi eventually, preach, teach, lead, help. Timothy's going to be sent to the church in Ephesus, preach, teach, lead, help. Timothy's going to be sent to a very small church on an island. And Paul's going to have to write him a couple letters. Here's how you do this. First and second Timothy. Side note, another letter to another guy that we don't have a lot of information about, but eventually who Paul sends to lead another church, Titus. Paul's training people all along the way. Paul knows he can't do this by himself, and he knows he doesn't have to. It's about in finding people, teaching people, cutting them loose, because you have to cut them loose sometimes. Bruce has cut me loose here. Thank you, Bruce. And I don't do everything that he likes. I'm not the same as everybody else. But you got to try. You, <laughs> you just got to go. You just got to roll with it sometimes. If somebody's teaching God's word, you can learn from them. If they're legalistic, you spit out the bones. If they're too liberal, you spit out the bones. If their interpretation's whack, you spit out the bones. You keep chewing, you keep digging, you keep going. As long as we are singing God's word, focusing on God's word, preaching God's word, it doesn't matter who's standing here. You can learn. Even if I preach the same, the same sermon four weeks in a row. Don't put me past that. I might get there one day. Because my challenge will be to you. Every single week we preach the same thing. God can teach you something new. Other verses will spring to mind. Other illustrations will come out of our hearts. We'll have lived it through the weeks and new illustrations will come to mind. New experiences. Living out God's word. This word never changes. It always is at work changing us. We need the change. So here's Paul following Jesus. Here's Timothy following Paul. And then the next one is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Who is this guy? A Greek. Probably born and raised in Philippi. 
So he's a citizen of Rome, probably has descendants who were in the military, because Philippi was a strong military outpost for Rome. Lots of military guys there. So he's probably a, you know, a brat, base brat, probably grew up and all that. Apparently, though, he became a Christian. And the church in Philippi sends Epaphroditus with money to help Paul. And Paul says in verse 25, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. So this letter that we're even reading was in Epaphroditus' hand. He's reading about himself. He probably didn't even know that. He's like, oh, I'm going to have a letter. Nice. Cool. And he calls him my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. I give you that history of Philippi so you understand. Calling somebody your fellow worker, that's awesome. Then he calls him his fellow soldier. He's speaking their language. There's a brotherhood there when you've done life together. And Paul doesn't see uh, Christianity as fluff. He really does see it as warfare. He's going to say it in other places. This is spiritual warfare. I'm taking God's light into dark strongholds where demonic forces and satanic ways of thinking have a stranglehold on humanity in city after city, in country after country, and I'm bringing the light. And I'm not just, I'm not fi- he's not fighting the government. He's not fighting against slavery. He's not fighting against socialism. He's fighting against something way bigger than all those human things. He's going deeper. He's going for the roots. He is lighting bombs and fuses at the base of a lot of things. And he's going to blow them up. Just hand the phone over. Just hand the phone over. There you go. So here's Paul. Epaphroditus, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. To the side there, I want you to write Acts 16, uh, 11 through 40. You get Paul's experience in Philippi. Epaphroditus was a first-hand witness. He's there. He was there. That's his hometown. He knows that Paul. The Paul who would lay down his life, would willingly go to jail, who has a supernatural God that can bail you out of whatever mess you get yourself into. Epaphroditus trusts Paul, helps Paul. But he gets sent back home. So in Timothy, we see somebody who's dedicated their life to leading churches. We might call that vocational ministry. In Epaphroditus, the next blank is, we have a man who has dedicated a season of life to supporting churches. He went on a missions trip. He went and helped start another church. He went to meet the needs of somebody else. Not everybody's called to be a Timothy. But you are all called to be an Epaphroditus. There are going to be different seasons of life, different areas, opportunities in your life where God needs you to step up and do your thing. Bruce was never the pastor of this church. He was never the Timothy. But boy, was he an Epaphroditus. Looking, searching, serving. If he had to preach, he would. If he had to deacon, he would. If he needed to buy the church a van, he would. He saw a need in the church. He was here. He was here. He was here. This little teenager, your little scrawly signature, is on the church charter as well, you and your brother. And like, yeah, you just do what needs to be done. 
He didn't go to school to be a music leader, but God has taken his abilities and he helps us lead worship. You're in a, he's in a season of life as an Epaphroditus, doing what the church needs done. What about you? And seasons are going to come. We have some older saints who wish they could do what they used to do, and they can't. And I've talked to many of these men and women, and they just want to wring your neck sometimes. Serve the Lord now while you can. Serve Him while you can, while your hips and your knees are working, while you can bounce those babies and pick them up and bend over. Do it. That would be Sharon's message to all you. Work. Serve while you can. Dude, what would your message be? Serve. Do it while you can, because you can't do it forever. You're going to get old. You're going to wear out. Things are not going to do. <laughs> Things are not going to do what they're supposed to do. So it's a good thing you have served regularly and you've been faithful throughout your life. It is a good thing, Rick Batchelder, that you served while you could, that you built things while you could. But you enter into a season of life where you're, you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting just to show up. That's okay. That's what you're supposed to do right now. Then do it. Do what is right in front of you. The Jesus way, the Paul way, the rest of us. So what's my big takeaway in this passage? Here's a sentence for you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to unveil it to you a piece at a time, not all the blanks at once. When I look at this passage and the context of this whole chapter, I see that following Jesus is a faith family effort. We have to work together. We need to do things together. Like a family. Spending time together, working together, serving together, helping each other, praying together, learning together, in the same direction, with the same purpose. With, here are the next blank, with many jobs. Oh, there are always jobs. There are always jobs. Amen, Miss Terry? We need people in tiny tots. We need people in nursery. It never ends because y'all won't stop having babies. Just, and that's a good thing, right? We need, but that's why we need help. It's a good thing. We need, we need all hands on deck. Many jobs for many people with many different abilities on different schedules. You may be the best plumber on planet Earth. Sometimes we need you to teach a class. You may be the best teacher on planet Earth, and sometimes we need you to plunge a toilet. Well, that's not my gift. <coughs> Toilets are the gift that always give, but that's another story. Um, what the church needs is whatever need is right in front of you, whether you're gifted or not. Yes, yeah, some people have the gift of giving, and they are exceptionally generous. Boy, God expects everybody to give. Some people are really good at befriending people and sharing the gospel. True, and they do it well. But everybody's called to share the gospel, too, whether you're gifted or not. Whether you're Timothy or Paul or Epaphroditus, the season is whatever's right in front of you. And this is Oklahoma. 
If you're just a one-season person, you're tanked because you may have one day a year. And even that won't be a full day of whatever season decides to show up. You know what I'm saying? Seasons come and seasons go. Don't lock in. Don't limit God. Look for the opportunity right in front of you. That's the season of life you need to be in. And serve right there. Following Jesus is a faith family effort with many jobs for many people of different abilities on different schedules. And please be patient with the person next to you if they don't show up on time. They're not on the same schedule as you. It is what it is. We grace one another. We love one another. Some of you are really visionary. Like you know what needs to be done, when it needs to be done. You have, you have an understanding. But then there are the rest of us who are like, nah. kind of laid back, kind of slow. Oh, we'll fix that when it needs to get fixed. Like, like yeah, we had somebody who was commenting on the projector. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, until they said, how about I buy the projector? How about I install the projector? How like, there you go. You can either wait around for somebody else to show up and fix the projector, or you can just do it yourself and recruit a few unwilling voluntolds. Thanks for helping out back there. Right, right? The, just the mentality of seeing something that needs to be done and doing it, not just waiting for other people because they may not be on your schedule. If you want to be grumpy, make sure everybody else is on your schedule. I'm learning not be like that if you want to be grumpy expect everybody else to be on your schedule <laughs> that is a sure sign of failure you start with your spouse move to your kids then move to your neighbors then your co-workers y'all need to be on my schedule tell me how that works La a couple more thoughts here paul paul's view on membership from this passage and and the whole context paul's view of membership um, I understand that our view of membership is far more developed than Paul's. But Paul's view of membership, it's living life together. We put more flesh on that, what we expect. In a world of pluralities, many different churches, many different denominations, Paul wasn't competing with a charismatic church, a, a, a word of faith church. He wasn't competing uh, with a, a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church. He wasn't competing with all these other strains of Christianity. So there was one church, and they taught what Paul taught. In today's day and age, with many different versions and interpretations, it's important for us to narrow it down. What is it that makes us specifically members? But th th that's our heartbeat still. Living life together for the gospel promoting the gospel first in our own hearts and then to other people and serving one another regularly. And that's humility. Even if you haven't had kids in two or three decades, like many of our nursery workers, they're holding other people's kids, not even their own grandkids. They have a heart to serve other people. That, that's, that's beautiful. What a church. What a family. That's what it means. Living life together, serving one another. We have the Jesus way. We have Paul's way. We have the rest of us. My question is, what is our way? 
What direction do we go from here? 45 years young. <laughs> I got to be careful if I call 45 ish old. 45 years young. Temple Baptist Church is now Graceway. Why are we here? To live out the gospel together and to help one another find Jesus. Where do you fit in that formula of Jesus, apostles, Graceway? Where do you fit in that? Just what you want you to think about yourself as part of this body for just a second to conclude. Like, where do you see yourself in that puzzle? Jesus, apostles, Graceway. Where do, where do I fit in this program, this family? How, how am I connected to Jesus? Am I connected to the teachings of the apostles? All of it is aiming to glorify God, make much of God. That was Jesus' heartbeat. And we can individually have really strong relationships, personal relationships with Jesus. But we all need to have relationships with one another and the teachings of God's word through the apostles. That's why they're there. It's not just Jesus, you. It's Jesus, you, and you, and you, and you, together. The next 45 years, who knows what's going to happen? Nobody. If you do know what's going to happen, please let me know. I could rearrange my uh, portfolio to adjust your all-knowing wisdom, right? Uh, Jesus is coming back. Sometime, some way. And he is not interested in earthly treasures. We are to be wise. There, are, there, there is lots of food and drink and wisdom in the house of the wise. Those who store up for rainy days and emergencies. It's not live like the sky is falling. So live with wisdom. Live within your means. Live to be able to help other people. Live to provide for yourself. There, there's wisdom in that, but also to keep on the front of your mind. Jesus could come back any moment. I think that's next on the schedule. I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm not looking for any warning signs. No indications. Since the day he left, he could come back. He is waiting for God the Father to say, go. And I'm waiting for Jesus to say, done. <laughs> I've really been contemplating taking that wall over there and creating a cry room. I'm going to call it in dedication of Roy room. We're going to put you in a little room with glass. To, we're gonna, don't make... Yes, something went wrong. <laughs> I, we're going to put that on your headstone, my friend. <laughs> uh, here lies Roy. Something went wrong. Yes. Stand with me. Because in the grace and in the mercy of God, <laughs> even though a lot of things have gone wrong, this church is still here. Amen. Many people have come and gone. Many people have yet to come. But we're still here. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for showing up. I pray that the way of grace would flood your life.
bow your heads. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our history, our past, and all the people you've brought through here. Thank you for the diversity of people that are here today. Um, Help us to never take ourselves (laughs) too seriously. Help us to not uh, stress out, be anxious, or overthink church. Help us to stay focused on who Jesus is, what the apostles have taught us, and help us to stick with it through thick or thin. Whether the economy is up or down, oil is booming or busting, the Sooners are winning or the Cowboys are winning. God, help us to be a people who keep our faith and our eyes on you. That we are ready in season and out of season to defend the faith, to preach the word, to share the gospel at work and at school, at home. Help us to be a people who love you more than we love ourselves and more than we even think about ourselves. Humble us, God that we would learn to love and serve one another. In the name of Jesus, we pray. (coughs) Amen.